All right, fans, it is episode 33, and today's show, we, of course, have sponsors. So, number one is Atron Teal. Atron Teal, it is polyphenols made to protect your digestive health and prevent you from bloating, symptoms of IBS, etc. You can find your own Atron Teal at lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Dr. Brown, what happens when someone takes Atron Teal and they have bloating? Well... What happens is Atrantil, the three polyphenols, work together to get rid of the bacteria that's growing where it shouldn't be. And this whole episode is super exciting because I've got a study from the American Heart Association, and we're going to talk about what your bacteria does when it takes these beautiful polyphenols. They're good for you. So not only will your bloating go away, but you're going to become a better person. Your Atrantil will feed your bacteria exactly what they want so that you can have your own postbiotic activity so that you can protect your own health. So go to lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Use code GCP to save 20% at uh, lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. One more time here. That's 20% off of polyphenols that not only will make you look better. Not look better. You're going to get rid of the bloating, but you're going to see the rest of the episode here. Holy cow. I'm going to drop some serious science on this one, and you're going to see why these polyphenols make you better from the inside. That's lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Also today brought to you by KBMD CBD. You can pair your KBMD CBD with Atron Teal and get your very own Dr. Brown signature protection. Dr. Brown, why does CBD complement Atron Teal so well? Well, it's so cool. It just so happens that Atron Teal blocks the enzyme that breaks down your own endocannabinoids. And we've had multiple talks about that. So CBD, you help the CBD work better when you take it together with Atron Teal, the signature combo. So if you want your own micronutrients that you can trust that are CO2 extracted, all natural, aren't made of any GMOs, and you can trust what's on the label, go to kbmdhealth.com, pick up your own KBMD CBD or your own Dr. Brown signature package. That's KBMD CBD at kbmdhealth.com. Of course, again, use code GCP to save 20% on all products at KBMD Health. Ooh. That's right. Save money and stay healthy. And of course, we are also brought to you today by Unrefined Bakery. If you are a paleo eater, a keto eater, or you just simply need to avoid allergens like gluten, Unrefined Bakery will deliver to you incredible food that just happens to fit all those motifs. Dr. Brown, what did you think of the unrefined bakery products they brought in studio. Oh my God, they were so delicious. And Ann and Taylor are super smart. They are. And not, they're taking their love, their passion, and they're turning it into an incredible business. Loved having them on. Watch that episode if you haven't, because it's cool. For Valentine's Day this last weekend, I got my wife a uh, unrefined bakery lemon-flavored cupcake, and that's really all I had to do. She was high-fiving me all the way through. So That's awesome. I sent my wife a GIF. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or GIF, or whatever they're called. I don't know. Well, it's funny. <laughs> you say that because if you're going to pick up unrefined bakery products or have them shipped to you, just know that they are shipped to you to last, but they don't last forever because it's made out of real food. Oh yeah, unrefined bakery. You if you're if you've had to avoid food or sweets, this is the place to go. Unrefinedbakery.com. Use code GUTCHECK and save twenty percent off your first order, no matter how large that order is. Speaking of keto. Uh-oh. And speaking of gluten-free. Speaking of gluten-free. One of the smartest people I know in that world, uh, Rob Wolf, a biochemist that wrote the books, uh, The Paleo Solution and Wired to Eat. Yes. Super cool. He sent us his new uh, electrolyte product, LMNT Element. 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 So Element actually um, is a fantastic combination of on-the-go packets of sodium, magnesium, and potassium. As it so happens, my young man right now, Lucas, is in Mexico using your Element there, Rob. So if he wins one of these tournaments, uh, props to you. I'll buy you lunch. Rob is a huge supporter of, uh, of Atron Teal and has been for a long time. But uh, it, it's, that's awesome that he was able to send that up. And, of course, it doesn't surprise me that Lucas, who embraces all things that are, <laughs> that are awesome and natural and advantageous, uh, went ahead and took that with him to Mexico. So he thanks did. a lot, Rob. That's, uh, that's incredible. Guys, stay tuned. It is time to get the Gut Check Project started. Episode 33 on the way. Oh. 
All right. Welcome back. It's Gut Check Project episode number 33. I'm here with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. I'm Eric Rieger. Dr. Brown, what's happening today? Not much. I tell you what, this is really cool. Episode 33, it's you and I, no guests, because we got to cover some serious science. Yeah, we do. A lot of people want to know what happens whenever you take uh, certain things that works as uh, postbiotics, not just probiotics, but what do I do to feed my bacteria? And is that, number one, is that even a real thing? What's a postbiotic? Do I care what happens uh, with the, the foods that I eat and what my bacteria does with it? And if I do, What's happening? So I'm gonna we're gonna deep into or deep into we're gonna dive in deep into some awesome science about what happens when we take care of our body's bacteria. Well, the reason why I wanted to get into this is that we got tons of feedback from yeah. the fecal microbial transplant episode, and then of course when we had Panis on here talking about Crohn's disease. Yeah. So one of our viewers, Don sent me a message that basically said, "So I'm more confused than ever. What do we do now?" <laughs> I started looking into it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, now I know why so many things happen to poor Heli. I, we're going to talk about that. We're going to look into this and hopefully clear up a few things, but I love the fact that we have viewers that are calling in being like, great episode, but now I'm more confused. Now I'm you know, followed up. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to follow it up and talk about how Heli and Panese that has Crohn's and Heli with her horrible autoimmune disease yep. and everything like that with her fecal microbial transplant, I'm now starting to put the pieces together. I'm moving this big bubble of Venn diagrams and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is here. So that's what we're gonna do today. Your job, because I mean, when I mean I, I got excited, like I, my, my hairs started going up on my arms where I was like, it's there, we're missing this. What I'm gonna do right now is talk about some stuff that probably should have been put together before, or maybe it has been, maybe, but I looked at a lot of research. I spent, I just went down rabbit holes and I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Well, it's awesome. It's easy to do. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I would imagine that we're probably going to talk about not only postbiotics, but some really cool names like uh, short chain fatty acids, right? We're going to head Short that direction. Short chain fatty acids. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about polyphenols. Polyphenols. We're going to talk about SIBO. It's, IBS, all that stuff. This is going to be a great episode. If, you, if, you, if you're truly interested in gut health, you cannot ever stop expanding your knowledge and understanding why people say health begins and ends in the gut. Uh, if th There's a reason why that people who change their diet feel better. And yeah. this is what we're going to talk about today. So let's, Yeah, totally. But, you know, but, but before we get into that, we're not just... We're not just podcast nerds. Oh, I have a life. Oh, okay. I'm pretty excited. I went and I did Rachel Shear's podcast yeah, called Shear Madness with nice. her little Frenchy thingy, bulldog yeah. thingy uh -huh. called Lily. <laughs> so we went and did that. That's going to launch here pretty soon, but you can see uh, pictures of that. So that's cool. Um, I, and I also feel like I've been working too hard and people ask me, they're like, you know, do you have a hobby? And I'm like, wow, I'm. No. So I was watching 60 Minutes, and um, I don't know why I'm turning into my dad, where now I watch 60 Minutes on Sundays and rather enjoy it. But um, I'm going to pick up falconry. In fact, I've picked up falconry. That's amazing that you've already done it in such a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. specifically Golden Eagle falconry. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, I watched a 60-minute episode. And Mongolian nomads depend on animals to get other animals because they have no agriculture. So what they do is they make this bond with golden eagles and they use them to hunt other animals for them. And they've been doing this for thousands of years. Well, there's a woman named Lauren McGowell. She's a PhD. She traveled to Mongolia. She's from Oklahoma. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, imagine having that conversation with your dad. Where you're like, I'm going to go to Mongolia. <laughs> But she's from Oklahoma. She found this old book on eagle hunters, and she's like, I'm going to go do this. So she figured out that this is such a unique um, way of living where you live in unison with the animals. So she went there. She captured her own golden eagle, bonded with it, and then became part of their tribe and hunted with this thing. Wow. And then has come back and has been like, you know, a conservationist and she's a PhD and she lectures and all this other stuff. So these things, she owns her own eagle and what they do is they there's they describe how you actually get it, but it's safe and everything and the eagle bonds and then they let the eagle go. They're like, you're back out in the wild. I'm done with, you know, either, you know, do you want to leave? Like when the eagle wants to leave, it just leaves. But it hangs out. So they can fly 50 miles an hour and they can see seven times better than a human. And then they let it go. So anyways, I got into it. So I got my first golden eagle. 
Um, and I've been trying to do this, but it just keeps bringing the neighbor's cat to me. Yeah. So it's not working the way it did on 60 Minutes. Well, I like that you say it keeps bringing the neighbor's cat, so it's unharmed, which is mm. really, really sweet. Totally unharmed. It's a, it's a completely loving eagle, and the cat loves it. I just pet it for a little while, and then, yeah. then it delivers it back to the neighbor. I don't know where the neighbor is. Uh-huh. Could be different city. Who sure. knows? I like Travels it. 50 miles an hour. And it's common knowledge that birds of prey just don't ever hurt anything. They just want, it to, <laughs> they just want to show it to somebody. So else. that's my hobby. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I can't even match that, so I'm probably not going to. The boys are about to start basketball playoffs, so that's what we're getting fired up to do. Um, weekend was nice. Did some camping uh, Saturday Saturday evening. Uh, woke up to a beautiful sunrise Sunday. It was it was awesome, and uh, that's really kind of what we did this weekend. Is kind of took it easy. So. Good for nice. you. Taking nice. it easy is good. I want to bring up one in the news article that I saw because pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Um, you're going to love this. Just published this month. Actually, it was published the February 14th. Oh. So in the news, the American Heart Association published a study out of Northwestern on people with peripheral artery disease, PAD, also known as PVD. Mm-hmm. Peripheral vascular disease. Now, peripheral vascular disease or arterial disease is a narrowing of the arteries that reduces the blood flow from the heart. So the further away from the heart, imagine you have a coronary artery disease. Same thing happens all over the body. Correct. But the further away it gets, it can actually affect people where you can't walk very, very far. And it affects over 8.5 million people, 40 years of age or older nationwide. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Sure. So this is so cool. In a small study of 44 people at Northwestern University of patients over the age 60, they gave them a beverage drink containing flavonoid-rich cocoa. Interesting. They gave them cocoa, and then they added some epigallic tannins to it. Huh. Sound familiar? (laughs) That's polyphenol, people, right there. Polyphenols. They gave people polyphenols. The American Heart Association is now starting to catch up. They're... I think they're watching our podcast. I'm sure they are. I think they are. So basically what they did is they showed that people that took this uh, three times a day for six months, which shows that it is a supplement three times a day in a cardiac disease-laden population, Yeah. no side effects, right. three times a day, six months, and they improved their six-minute walking test compared to those who drank the same number and type of beverages without this supplement. It's funny you say that because people who have uh, serious uh, uh, complications with diabetes that ends up with uh, PVD or PAD, oftentimes they end up doing that walking test, especially if they have numbness in their feet or they notice that they have sores on their toes that they're unaware of but a, but a family member sees, right? Yeah. So... Just a side note, if you happen to have diabetes, it may it may behoove you to keep up with your polyphenol intake daily. And it also may behoove you to listen to the rest of this podcast because I'm going to get some cool stuff. But so looking at this, so you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? So if I drink cocoa, no, it's cocoa enriched with epigallic tannins, same tannins that we have in Atrantil. Those, right. poly- those are the polyphenols. So those that drank this, they improve their muscle function. Over the placebo, but what's really cool is they showed that uh, they did muscle biopsies and they showed increased mitochondrial activity. It improved the mitochondria, increased the blood flow through, through. Um, the mitochondria, what did you no, say? No, no, no. It increased the blood flow because of the polyphenol uh-huh. through arterial dilation because yeah. of nitric oxide production. Okay. Everything that we've been talking about. I know he's teeing me up, folks. I really hate to let everybody <laughs> down. Because uh, there was lots of through there. and, and Yeah, I'm just, just follow this. Basically, <laughs> we now have scientific reasons why polyphenols improve sports performance. Okay. It affects the mitochondria and it increases the blood flow. Now we're into a much better realm and I understand the categories <laughs> that we're in because we've multiple times referenced the studies that uh, Joe Bot- uh, Botel from uh, from England Correct. has talked specifically about increasing nitric oxide specifically in athletes to increase blood flow, increase performance, etc. So sorry I didn't see the T up there. Well, this is what's so beautiful. We always talk, um, you know, athletic performance. Sure. Now we're talking disease. Yeah. Now we're saying that, okay, yes, if you're a triathlete or if you're a marathon runner, but there's a whole lot more people. You want to see how many people actually have peripheral vascular disease? Go to the airport. I remember, and this is... Oh, um, man. This was, uh, uh, I don't remember where I was flying. I think the flight was going to Florida. Oh. And so there was... 
quite a few people over the age of 60, they were all in shorts. Mm-hmm. None of them had leg hair. Oh, well, and circumference, right? Circumference, all the way around. The way around. So just so you don't get alarmed, because I'm one of these. If you still have <laughs> hair on one side of your leg, but not on the other, that's not what we're talking about. But if you have a, there's like a line of demarcation. Yeah. And then suddenly the hair stops, you you probably need to at least be checked out because there's a lack of blood flow. Yeah, so what ends up happening is is that the blood flow has to go from the heart all the way to the toes. Mm-hmm. And so the microvasculature starts decreasing before the macrovasculature, meaning you're going to sacrifice the skin blood flow to protect the muscles and the joints and the cartilage and all that other stuff. So that's how many, like I looked around one day and I was like, oh my God, I truly believe that almost everybody here has coronary artery disease slash PAD. Now we're looking at this going, they all need to be on a polyphenol. Polyphenol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. And that's crazy. So yeah. So these, these uh, polyphenols definitely will uh, help naturally benefit and produce nitric oxide so that you can increase your blood flow. And if you're already compromised, help your body out, do it. Never even thought about the whole mitochondria thing. No. Well, obviously I didn't either because I just sat there and stared at you while you said it. Yeah. Now the question is, <laughs> they didn't get into why. They're actually asking in the article at Northwestern. They're saying the etiology or the um, the physiology of how this is accomplished is yet to be determined. Hmm. But we know it increases nitric oxide. Yeah, we do. I'm going to get into some stuff here shortly where I'm going to tell you that it's all about the postbiotics. All right. It's nuts. So for the next, so I'm going to, that's that's it. That's our that's our fun part of the of the podcast. If that <laughs> no, that is fun though. I mean, honestly, if you've got circulatory issues, at least you know there could be a natural solution that'll at least help. Number one, give you some more time. Number two, give you an idea of what you can do to improve things for yourself. So, I mean, if there's one reason to do this podcast, and I keep saying this every single time, but I'm getting. I'm learning. I'm getting better. We've got our little secret weapon that keeps sending me articles, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this one ties to this, this one ties to this. So this is going to be a review of short-chain fatty acids. And you're like, I don't own any of those. I'm going to get off. No, you need to hear this. Basically, if you're a mammal on the planet Earth, this is a really important podcast for you. If you can understand the words he's saying, that is you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a flat earther. Yeah. Well, they probably still should take. They still should. Like I shouldn't that. even take that back. I shouldn't discriminate against that. <laughs> oh, yeah. What am I doing? Unfortunately, I just watched that Joe Rogan episode with the uh, astronaut. So I'm all about space right now. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. Just the other day I passed um, the uh, flat earth mobile in Denton, Texas. Really? Yeah. It's pretty fun. On the back, it says... Uh, the earth is flat and you pan down to his bumper and it says, and motionless, which I think is awesome, but whatever. It's fine. Well, so let's get into it. Short chain fatty acids, postbiotics. Let's, uh, let's get into some, some awesome science here and, and let people know why it's so important. All right. So I mentioned at the very beginning that this was sort of brought on because the viewer, Don, said, well, what next? And then I started going down this rabbit hole. Then I started heli- if you watch the episode where we do the fecal microbial transplant, this I mean, that is, she's not an actress. She's desperate. Sure. And things are happening to her, and they're happening fast, and she is panicking. Uh, we had Panese that is at risk for all these things that we're talking about, but it's super complex. Ultimately, it all comes down to the microbiome. Unfortunately, as Americans, we disrupt our own microbiome by our lifestyles, like eating crappy diets, taking antibiotics, lack of exercise, and probably poor sleep are the biggest deals. And this is going to result in a decrease in diversity. You're going to hear this term over and over and over again. People always talk about, oh, I'll just take probiotics and improve this. No, it's way more complex than this. We're going to get into it. But basically, you need a true, diverse microbiome to aid in your health. Researchers are are now showing that neurodegenerative issues like dementia, Parkinson's, anything that affects your brain, and you know, Eric, we've talked about this a bunch, that my goal as a physician right now is to figure out a way to stop dementia. Yep. Because we come on the show and we talk. We talk about our kids, talk about our wives, we talk about stuff. Imagine if all of a sudden it's gone. What was your life? Ultimately, your life becomes memories, and yeah. those memories are 
what forms your personality and all these other things, and then they affect stuff. The thought of taking away my memory is, I mean, it's, people people don't really think about how how difficult dementia really is. Oh man, it's it's a it's a hard one. I've had friends whose parents have faded that way. My my wife's grandmother. I mean, we wonderful woman and went through just honestly her own living hell, not being able to relate to the people that she felt like she knew around her. And it just it's it's no good. No, and so if we can sit there and start piecing things together, yeah, and not only the neurodegenerative things, but now researchers are starting to look at this. I mean, I just gave that article about the American Heart Association looking at, at a polyphenolic complex. That means that the traditional medical complex is starting to look at this stuff. Starting. This is awesome. Starting. Now, there's evidence to show that heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, obesity. So if you're like, oh, I don't know anybody with dementia, but do you know anybody with obesity? ever had a heart attack? Do you have a family history of anybody with diabetes? Any, all that stuff is. The real question is how and why. Yep. Why did Heli develop all these autoimmune issues after a fecal microbial transplant? My theory, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a smart enough to be a flat earther that has cool bumper stickers <laughs> like that. Uh, but so my theory is just looking at all this and looking at my patients. I'm not a I, I'm not a PhD bench researcher, but this is what the world needs: is bench researchers coming up with stuff, having animal models, clinicians out here slugging it away, and weirdos getting on the air and talking about it yep. to try and figure it out. Yeah, bridge the, bridge the gap bridge between the gap. traditional medicine and natural solutions. All right. So my theory is that our microbes, our microbiome, the most important thing in your body that really helps regulate everything. Do we live for them? Do they live for us? We don't know, but it can be symbiotic, meaning you can work together. They're fed by the food we eat, specifically fibers and complex polysaccharides. Polysaccharides are hard to digest starches. Right. So through various mechanisms, these bacteria break them down. They eat it. And then their waste products, or basically what they leave over, mm-hmm. we use. Right. So their compost is our fuel. Right. It's a fantastic thing that we've never really thought their about. Their compost before. is our fuel. That's that's a uh, yeah yeah that's nice. Yeah. So that's what we're now calling postbiotics. Right. And it's not a bad thing at all because what they produce in general, postbiotics, you can describe postbiotics uh, by their composition. Like, is it a fat, short chain fatty acid? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it a complex molecule that we don't really know very much about? Or does it do like urolithin is one of them? Urolithin that creates the the, uh, mitophagy, right? Affects old and sick mitochondria. And if you're keeping up, that's also known as the anti-aging postbiotic. Mm-hmm. Produced by bacteria that break down these things, a postbiotic, or the physiologic function that it causes. So we know that there's certain things that bacteria produce that we haven't even been able to label yet. There's been 800 postbiotics, and they create all kinds of different you things. Say that again, 800 postbiotics. That scientists have at least discovered. Right. And it's and just to be fair, it's much like the ocean. There's just because we have 800, I don't even think we're near the end. I mean, there's lots to figure out and the combinations thereof. Anyway, I don't want to sidetrack, but no, totally sidetrack the whole time. In fact, your sole job, because I'm like, when I mean that, <laughs> that we discovered a topic here that I was like going, oh my gosh, we're, we're piecing things together. Yeah. So when I start going on a rabbit hole too much, interrupt immediately and go, you don't, you're not making any sense. Sure. So just stop and start me over here. So I, this all started because of the fecal microbial transplant thing with mm-hmm. Heli. And then Don says, I'm more confused. So then I started looking into it. And now I started realizing that these postbiotics, there's 800 of them, but let's focus on one that we've done some serious research on, which is short chain fatty acids. Okay. Now, short chain fatty acids are... Fatty acids that are really small, they're like fewer than six carbon atoms, meaning that it's very tiny, and they're made by our bacteria in our colon from undigestible or from indigestible foods like fibers. Mm -hmm. And I always thought of them as fuel for the colon. That's how I was taught during my fellowship and residency in medical school that they're, they're local, but the reality is it goes way beyond that. Way, way, way beyond that. So these short-chain fatty acids do include, and this the geeky part, names like butyrate, acetate, 
propionate and lactate. Don't get hung up on the names, but in particular, butyrate is the one that everybody talks about. Right. It's super important for gut health. And it's also known to help with gut motility, corrects leaky gut. It works locally to heal the lining of the colon. But we now know that the other short-chain fatty acids can actually be absorbed systemically as well. Mm -hmm. And we have not been paying attention to them. And they can influence the body in all different kinds of ways, depending on the host genes. Right. So you and I may react differently to these short-chain fatty acids depending on your genes. That's the epigenetic phenomena. Right. That's how come Heli developed all these issues when her donor did not have the issues. So that's a separate rabbit hole, but what I want to talk about is butyrate is so important that most nutritionists and scientists study this molecule. That is its own episode. Okay. I'm going to talk about the black sheep of short-chain fatty acids. Which one's that? Oh, everything else but butyrate. Okay. So if butyrate, just know it's good. Okay. You want butyrate? Yep. Now we're going to go into everything else. Okay. And I want to explain how my patients, like Panis, may have developed her problem. And we're going to bring it all the way back to short-chain fatty acids like acetate and lactate and talk about that. So the rest of this is I'm going to show you the model that I've never been able to explain up until right now. Okay. For instance, every time somebody sees me with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, mm -hmm. or irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, or inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, Crohn's colitis, I like to ask them a question. I'm like, do you ever feel like you're in a brain fog? Do you ever have anxiety? Has your mood changed? Do you have sleep disturbance? The first thing I do is go right from the gut to the brain. Right. And I ask because I've seen this correlation. And I've always said, well, it's because of the inflammatory process. I haven't really gone that deep into it because all the articles I was reading about that all showed that an um, inflamed gut can lead to an inflamed brain. Now let's dive a little bit deeper and find different reasons how these postbiotics actually lead to that. Okay. So if you're somebody that um, suffers from anxiety, it may have nothing to do with your brain. It may all start in your gut. And this is really wild. So step one, something happens. Okay. You get bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. You have an infection, you eat a crappy diet, this leads to leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um, now, new research is showing that this will actually, once you develop intestinal permeability, it actually allows acetate and lactate to get absorbed more into the bloodstream. And that's not really what we want, is it? It's not what we want. So once it gets absorbed into the bloodstream, these short-chain fatty acids have this incredible mechanism to cross the blood-brain barrier through its own transport molecule. So in the past, we've always talked about leaky gut, leaky brain. Mm -hmm. This actually has its own transport. It doesn't even have to be a leaky brain. It's got a little bridge that these guys ride. So it, uh, in short, if I think this could be beneficial, if you have a transport mechanism at the cellular level, basically that just means that there's a little protein that's allowing passage or exchange of something to be taken from one side to the other. And I think that what uh, you're explaining here is we don't really want these molecules crossing over to the brain, but now that they are rapidly being absorbed through the gut, that they're more abundant in the brain, and that's not really what we're after. So these guys finally get out of the gut. They got a VIP card. Yeah. They're like, whoop, VIP yeah. card, front of the line. Let me know the brain. So that's what's really fascinating. So acetate and lactate, once it gets in the brain, they can actually directly influence neurons causing a series of effects. Say it again. It's a direct neurotransmitter. Nobody's ever said this that I've, like, I didn't learn this in neurology. No, me either. So lactate and acetate can cause a direct influence on the neurons by stimulating sympathetic nervous activity. What that means is Ooh, they, they turn on the fight or flight yeah, issue. interesting. Well, guess what? Isn't that wild? Is. Yes. So this can cause a rise in blood pressure, heart rate, and the opposite effect in the gut. When you have a sympathetic effect in the brain, you have a parasympathetic effect in the gut. 
what I mean by that is I always tell my patients the more, cause they're like, Oh man, I've been so stressed. I've developed constipation. Like it's a physiologic phenomenon. When we were evolving, if you're being chased by a saber toothed tiger, you don't want to have sex or take a poop right? because you're going to get eaten. Yeah. So you got to think fast and run. Yeah. It's really funny. So like, I'm always thinking about that, like from sex to actually have an erection, you have to have a parasympathetic response to have an orgasm. You need a sympathetic response mm -hmm. to actually have a bowel movement. You need a parasympathetic. So parasympathetic is the opposite side of the fight or flight. Right. So now we've got this thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. So when you have SIBO, I'm just going to keep using the, the SIBO patient because okay. for the first time I could say, oh, Heli on the interview kept saying, I just, I'm so anxious. I'm just, and, and remember I took a two hour interview to 15 minutes. I really kind of had to get her back focused the whole time. She was just like, I'm just wired mm -hmm. and, um, not wired to eat like Rob Wolf. That's yeah. a whole separate <laughs> thing. But, um, all right. So then. This becomes this really wild, this sympathetic effect causes a rise in the blood pressure, heart rate, and then the opposite effect, where then the motility gets messed up, leading to more leaky gut. It becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah. So then while all this is going on, more inflammation happens in the gut, the leaky gut then turns on the inflammatory cascade. So then that becomes our normal talk. That's I've given lectures on this part where I can show interleukin-12, interleukin-23, you know, cytokines, blah, 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 these, histamine. Blah. These are all inflammatory markers. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. What if the very, 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 very beginning of it is too much lactate acetate getting into the brain that then tells the brain to turn on the gut or to turn down the gut to create more inflammation, and now you've got this process going on. So we've talked about this for SIBO in years, but now I'm saying, oh my gosh, we got to fix the postbiotic situation before we can fix everything else. Yeah. So now, um, you may be thinking, okay, this is crazy. I don't have, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't have anxiety. I don't have depression. I don't have bloating. I don't have gut issues. I'm going to turn this off. Don't because Oh my goodness. Now we're going to look at some different things that these postbiotics are actually linked to certain diseases. Okay. And now we're going to get outside of the gut and I'm going to give you mechanisms about how these things affect or can create diabetes, blood pressure, dementia, all kinds of stuff. Before we jump too far ahead, can you give us an idea on what type of foods are used by these bacteria to create the postbiotics that we don't want? to create the postbiotics that we don't want? That's, that is a great question. What we do know more is that the foods that produce the postbiotics that we like mm -hmm. are fibers, undigestible starches or resistant starches, things like that. Right. Uh, overnight oats, um, you know, whatever type of fibers, polyphenols, the skins of vegetables and fruits. What we do know is that when you eat a diet high in processed foods, yeah, you end up creating more bacteria that produce more lactate and acetate. Yeah, the things uh, that I was uh, kind of hinting at, and I, I kind of cheated a little bit, but the things I was kind of hinting at were uh, unrefi or, uh, refined sugars Yeah, and things like um, uh, oils that we're not really supposed to consume, like high-pressed uh, high uh, vegetable oils and different things like that. They, they believe that those may be the, uh, the foods that allow the bacteria to produce the postbiotics that we don't want, preservatives, foods that shouldn't be sitting on a shelf for months at a time and suddenly they're just fresh because they're in a package. Those may, they don't know this for certain, but they think that those may be the kinds of foods that would lead to a lot of this lactate and acetate. And nobody's talking about the postbiotics doing this. And spoiler yeah. alert, I'm going to get into it in a little bit. But basically, once you start producing more of it, you're it sends signals to those bacteria that are like, we're winning. Yeah. Let's, let's keep doing more. Yeah. So they end up pr um, uh, propagating more or they end up colonizing more, whatever word you want to use. And then you end up with more of that. And then they're sending brain signals to eat more of that. And that's that whole thing where now you're out there wondering why you're cracking open a bag of Oreos. Well, think about it. If, if a postbiotic is influencing the way that my brain thinks, you would have to draw the assumption that if I'm suddenly uh, addicted to sugar and I'm always craving sugar, whereas maybe I didn't before, but now everyone, my, my friends would know me as someone who just really likes sugar all the time. 
that could just be the the lack of that postbiotic influencing the brain who's now told me, oh, you need to quickly go get this fix to make you feel this way. I'm so glad you went with sugar on this one. Nice. Let's talk about diabetes. Okay. All right. So I found an article that basically looked at diabetes in a rat model. Uh, This uh, research showed that diabetic mice fed a SAD diet, a standard American diet, Mm -hmm. the SAD diet, which is high sugar, high fat. High fat's not bad. Right. I think high sugar is always bad. Right. You combine the two and it's a, it's horrible. Um, basically they fed us, they fed these, uh, diabetic mice, a sad diet, and they showed immediately that the acetate level jumped right up. This rise in acetate caused an acute rise in glucose leading to the pancreas to secrete excessive insulin Insulin, than it should have. And then this rise in insulin led to a huge rise in a hormone called ghrelin. Ghrelin. Hungry. Yeah. Can you go ahead and explain to everybody what ghrelin is? So uh, ghrelin is the uh, the mechanism by which your your gut, your GI tract tells you that you're hungry and you're going to want to go out and eat. And uh, you really want leptin to kick in whenever you've not or when you whenever you don't need to go out and get hungry, basically. I mean, so uh, whenever you see the commercials for what was the name of that uh, leptor or whatever it was that was making people feel like that they were they were full. They were they were basically trying to mimic leptin. Really? Yeah, to make you feel full. I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, I don't think it works. But <laughs> it clearly doesn't <laughs> be around. <laughs> but um, but regardless, uh, ghrelin is the opposite. Ghrelin is the one that drives you to go and seek food, to go uh, get nourishment. But it's funny because they started to think, and you could be, you could correct me on this, but ghrelin, in certain instances, uh, like for the sugar, like. That uh, if you get low on sugar, then suddenly your your brain is now programmed. Will will raise ghrelin whenever our sugar load gets low, right? Yeah, yeah. So what was so cool is that these guys looked at. Usually somebody will look at one thing, but they're like, okay, our theory is this: we're going to look at the postbiotic acetate, mm-hmm. see what its effect does, and those that have higher acetate levels are showing higher insulin, higher ghrelin levels, and so then those mice became voracious. They yeah. wanted to eat more. Then what did they do? They produced more and their desire to eat the crappy sugary type stuff because the ghrelin saying get the cheapest easiest calories yeah led to higher acid um, acetate acetate yeah well and just just a side note this is also the argument that a lot of dietitians have on why it's important to have what they call high density foods so a refined sugar is not a high density food at all it's short-lived in terms of the satisfaction and you're going to always want to keep consuming whereas if you eat the foods that you should eat, you, you, the fibers and the polyphenols, et cetera, you, you fill up and it leaves lots of work for the bacteria to produce the types of postbiotics that you want. 100%. So I have all these diabetic patients <clears throat> that struggle to lose weight, but really it, it, it could come down to the bacteria and the bacteria that are producing acetate. I mean, maybe the future treatment, I mean, American Heart Association just got done doing this study in peripheral vascular disease. Maybe the endocrinologist will start looking at changing the bacteria to help with diabetes instead of just throwing drugs at people. Because quite honestly, once you get put on uh, insulin, that it's, it's, it raises your ghrelin. Everybody I talk to is like, man, I take an insulin shot. Bodybuilders take insulin so they can eat more and their growth hormone goes up. Yeah. Kids don't do that. Yeah. That's not the reason. So diabetes... I don't care about diabetes. Nobody in my family has diabetes. It is what it is. That's what somebody out there is saying. Man, this guy keeps talking about anxiety, SIBO, IBS. That doesn't affect me or anybody in my family. All right, I'm telling you that now let's talk about blood pressure. Uh Uh-oh. The silent killer. Definitely. How many, honestly, side note, how many times do we have patients come through every day? We have a full load. I would say probably... 20% 20% of those on a full load day, we probably have to inform them about a blood pressure issue, right or wrong? Oh, dude, we've seen more than 100 million people in our clinic. Yeah. I'm wrong. That stat's wrong. That's 100 million people have high blood pressure in the United States. Okay. Good. Have we seen 100 million? It feels like 100 million. Yeah, I didn't know where that number was going. <laughs> that sounded like an awful lot. But but we do, but we do have uh, people who, for the first time ever, have, they, they say they feel fine. No meds. And then suddenly we look at their blood pressure and it's 170 over 98. So not normal. And and I've been pre-hypertensive for a long time. 
I've changed my diet mm-hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm knocking right on 49 right now. So I'm pushing 50 here and my blood pressure is better. It continues to get better as I focus on my diet. Right. And I've always like, man, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would, cause you know, I, you know, I'll sit there and I'll fly off the rails and cheat and pizza and all this stuff. Now we're going to get into some of this stuff. So the American Heart Association says that over 103 million U.S. adults have high blood pressure. Mm, that's a, that's a lot. I, I still think that there's more people that, that they don't even realize. Uh, 100%, because there's only, what, 300, I'm guessing here, 340 million people in the U.S., something like that? Yeah, and, and so high blood pressure leads to stroke, cardiac sure. disease, blah, 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 blah. Everything else, you know, it's that whole syndrome X thing. Yeah. Um, so, oh, by the way, do you know who does a really good job of explaining the whole syndrome X? The... Um, and he, and he coined the phrase. It is Rob Wolf. Um, diabesity. Diabesity. Nice. Di- diabesity. In his book, uh, The Paleo Solution, yeah. he, he actually describes this whole process of what I learned as Syndrome X. He's calling diabesity and how once you get into this pathway, what I'm going to say is maybe this pathway, this shift, is now we have a mechanism that these postbiotics are actually creating this whole diabesity issue. Wow. Yeah, they could be, and this would be uh, obviously a step in the right direction to it's correct nuts. that. So do you remember that whole thing that I told you about the sympathetic neuron um, activity? So acetate and lactate get in there. They sure. have a little free pass. They have a VIP card. Yeah. And then they actually poke on the nerves. Sure. And they turn on the sympathetic system. Well, researchers showed that young pre-hypertensive rats exhibited leaky gut protein expression. Whoa. They were pre-hypertensive, and they were looking specifically at leaky gut, I don't know if it was zonulin or whatever they were looking for, uh-huh. but they found it before they were hypertensive. It starts in the gut. Definitely. Crazy. Now, the more signs of leaky gut, the more sympathetic output these rats showed. Increasing the permeability led to increased brain permeability, and they showed that acetate and lactate stimulated an area of the brain called the hypothalamus. Very important. Master gland. Master gland. Super, super crucial thing. Now, this actually increased the sympathetic signals leading from the hypothalamus down, and blood pressure started to rise accordingly as acetate and lactate levels went up. Dude, that's uh, no one's really built that, uh, that, that pathway. I've never seen anybody do that. It's, I, I mean, I, I read this and I was like, what? How are we not describing a treatment for high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and thinking more about the, our microbiome than just throwing, I mean, how many of my patients have six, seven? I mean, you take a beta blocker. What are the side effects of that? Fatigue, depression, erectile dysfunction. Then you take a Low, calcium channel yeah. blocker and you've got cough and you've got ankle edema and we're throwing this stuff, and all of a sudden, we've got rats where we can show if we decrease this. More importantly, they show that this sympathetic shift altered the microbiome, which led to a less diverse microbiome and increase in lactate and acetate-producing bacteria. One more time. It got into the brain. The brain sends signals to the body that is, you're in fight or flight. Yeah. And because... in I've, you, you can logically try and work your way around this, but basically those same signals tell more of those bacteria, just like you talked about with the sugar. Right. Now more of the bacteria are being signaled to grow, and now you've got a cascade of high blood pressure type stuff. Unfortunately, it sounds like what, what we're doing is building a friendly utopia for the bacteria that we don't want, right? And then yes. they're basically telling your brain to go and get some more of the food that will allow them to build more of the byproducts or the postbiotics that you don't need that are going to make your problem worse. And just a side note, so overstimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, it's really funny how we're, we're talking about diabetes, we're talking about high blood pressure, we're talking about insomnia, we're talking about anxiety. All of those things are just simply going to compound and make the same situation worse. When the diabetes gets a little bit more out of control and the insulin goes up and the ghrelin goes up, I'm going to keep eating. And by the time I keep eating and my postbiotics make my anxiety level go up and I can't sleep, that's only going to perpetuate more of the same. And you can only, I would assume, correct that by getting the right bacteria to eat the right, the right food so that I can have the right postbiotics, right? That's exactly it. Just that easy, Eric. 
That's all you got to do. All right. Well, I guess that's my drop. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) But it just it's it's scary though that that quickly you can escalate while you actually have no idea that it's happening to you. You just don't know. You're not in control. No, you're not. So, I mean, here we have this deal where the rising lactic acid acts like a positive feedback loop to create its own little lactic acid factory. It's self-serving. It's not here for you. No. No. Those bacteria, everybody, we talk about an egocentric society and everything. Well, as it turns out, I'm learning more and more that bacteria are truly egocentric also. You got to keep them in check. You know, C. diff would love to just run rampant. And do this. And C. diff being a bacteria that when you wipe out other bacteria due to antibiotics, you end up with horrible diarrhea. That's something we deal with all the time. They just be, they have this, they throw this big party and make you really sick. Yeah. So the bacteria themselves, they have a self-serving need to keep growing. They're not looking around going, I need more diversity here. Everybody wants to win. And when you have lactate-producing bacteria, they want to win. That comes back to that whole Satish Rao article where he gave SIBO patients probiotics. Mm-hmm. And they produce more lactate. Uh, he checked the lactic acid levels. And those people that had higher lactic acid levels had higher depression and, and anxiety. Yeah, that's not good. That's not what you're after. Mm-mm. So <clears throat> what we're looking at here is microbial dysbiosis. Microbial dysbiosis is the term that the naturopaths use everywhere. And really, what that means is a lack of diversity. It's not dysbiosis. It just means that there's an imbalance in your microbiome. You have too much of something and not enough of another. They showed with rats that those rats with a lack of diversity tended to have higher levels of lactate and acetate. Again, not the postbiotics, the short-chain fatty acids that we want. So understanding that knowledge, these researchers started to look at stroke and dementia, getting back to the brain. So using that model, they were able to show that acetate and lactate can cross the blood-brain barrier, which we've already discussed. Then these guys focused on one unique thing. I already discussed how they tap on the neurons and do this. Well, something else that that these... um, postbiotics short chain fatty acids do mm-hmm. is that they actually lo- they actually drop the local pH so this local drop in pH caused inflammation at the neuron level this inflammation led to increase in certain markers of inflammation like tumor necrosis factor and it caused cell death so uh, just in layman's terms, why that matters is if you drop a pH and basically you are creating a more acidic environment and just a side play, which we haven't even mentioned yet, that actually creates more work for your respiratory system to basically correct that. And by, you know what I'm saying? Because you have to blow off the so acid. True. Your blood, buff- yeah. your blood buffering system is going to have to produce more bicarbonate just to basically take care of the neurons that are now in a more acidic environment. This is exactly why whenever you're an athlete running around, you breathe heavier, right? Because the acid formed by the activity throughout all of your muscles is dumping into the bloodstream so that you can breathe off CO2. Well, if you're not running around, you don't really want to be dropping your pH systemically. So that's that's a big no-no. That's not what we're after. So once you have a cell die, that yeah. leads to oxidative stress, Yep. which ultimately leads to inflammation. Those rats develop dementia. So chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation. So uh, we've always talked about chronic inflammation. This is first domino effect. Yeah. The first domino effect is this. We're getting into a cellular level. They even took normal tense of rats. So rats with normal blood pressure, and they gave a microbial transplant, fecal microbial transplant, Mm -hmm on rice that were genetically prone to have high blood pressure and strokes. Okay. And the rats who received the transplant developed high blood pressure and had strokes. So watch the episode where we talk about heli. Like once I'm getting into this, I'm like, why would we do fecal transplants without knowing all of this stuff? So let's break that down real quick. Basically what you're saying, if I understand correctly, they took the bacteria that was somewhere else and put it in another rat's colon and they were able to replicate that these bacteria, when fed with the wrong stuff, being the wrong count of bacteria or wrong diversity count, right, 
they gave off postbiotics that led to more damage to the rat itself. So the so the rats that they euthanized when they saw that they had strokes or that they had dementia, they showed that they had much higher levels of acetate and lactate. The rats that lived, surprising, well, not surprisingly at all, sure. actually, now right. after looking at this, right. um, the ones that did not develop high blood pressure or have a stroke had higher levels of all short-chain fatty acids, but they had higher levels of butyrate. butyrate. Over lactate, so they had, but they had they had the right concentration, right? They had the right concentration. It's not that lactate and acetate should never be produced; it's that that they're they're being overproduced at the expense of what's healthy for your body. And so, one other thing, one other brain disease that I want to get at, and then we're actually done with these diseases. But I hope you're seeing that we have diseases that are specifically related to this. Yeah. So, can, can you smell me and tell me if I have Parkinson's? Hang on a second. <laughs> That is not something I can detect. But somebody can, because you sent me that article. I did. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, there is apparently a, a woman who has a, and I can't remember what the study is. You kind of put me on the spot here. But basically, she was able to show all but uh, like less than what, 3% of the people. She was able to identify disease states in them, and one of them was Parkinson's yeah. by a smell or an odor that they put off, which yeah. I found fascinating. She was able to accurately diagnose people by the the odor or the the pheromones or whatever it was that she detected, and then of course you dig a little bit deeper. They talk a little bit about why. So yeah. So as it turns out, so this woman, um, her husband died of Parkinson's, yeah. and when she was in support groups, she remembers her husband's smell started to change like a decade before. Then he started developing symptoms. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Quick shout out, my youngest son, Mac. He's the one who showed me that article. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Cool. Um, so it, it's, I looked at the, um, they believe they've discovered what uh, molecule she's actually smelling through mass spec, but that's kind of irrelevant because what's happening is, is now I'm linking that to this because evidence is now showing that dementia and Parkinson's begins 10 to 20 years before the brain is actually affected. And if I remember correctly, further down in the article, didn't they say they were experimenting with her to try to find Alzheimer's, right? Correct. Same Correct. way. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh, this woman's got this magic skill. What if she's smelling? Yeah. Acetone, when I go into ketosis, yeah. I have acetone coming out of my breath. Correct. You, have an, you, you actually smell different because or, you're breaking down. It's, it's ketoacidosis. Severe diabetics. Or severe have it, diabetes. Have, have that fruity acetone have, smell. They have the fruity acetone. Yeah. So we definitely put off different smells when different um, you know, chemicals build sure. up. So this is interesting. Parkinson's, these diseases have buildup of... So Parkinson's specifically has a buildup of proteins that are actually seen in the gut first. So... When they look at the proteins that create the Parkinson's disease, right. now researchers are looking in the gut and they're finding that protein build up in the gut before it builds up in the brain. And just so you all know that this is not uh, made up pseudoscience, uh, just a completely separate example, GI bleeds. Going through a hospital, you can almost always tell a patient that's dealing with a GI bleed simply because, I mean, that, that smell is unmistakable, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I think other third world doctors rely on their senses, visual smell yeah. to really try and diagnose a patient yeah. and they get a little bit more deep in it kind of thing. Sure. So that, you know, there's the, uh, when I did gynecology, you did what was called the whiff test, which is the pap smear when you try and smell a fishy odor and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so we don't do that much anymore because you send it to a lab, but yeah, yeah. hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these, these diseases, Parkinson's could actually develop early on. Now, what's really interesting is that Parkinson's could be related to the vagus nerve. Hmm, parasympathetic. Causing the inflammatory buildup of these proteins. Interesting. So rats given a fecal microbial transplant from a Parkinson's rat immediately showed an increase in acetate levels. Then, when they followed these rats, they slowly developed motor function problems. In humans, we now realize that those people with Parkinson's have a dysbiosis. I'll say this one more time. Now we're starting to look at all these chronic diseases, and researchers are going, let's look at their microbiome. Almost all Parkinson's people have a dysbiosis. Wow. So people would say, oh, well, if you have Parkinson's, you're sick, you're going to have a dysbiosis. I'm saying, no, the dysbiosis caused the Parkinson's. Yeah. We have to prevent that. Start there. So to answer 
in a very long-winded, complex way, to answer Don's question, uh, shoot, it's so complicated, but I think we are now seeing a starting point. I think that if you keep your microbiome diverse, plenty of bacteria that can produce butyrate and other short-chain fatty acids, and in my opinion, now thinking about it, that fecal transplant, getting a fecal transplant may carry more risk than we ever thought looking at these animal models. So Don's question was, well, what do we do? Is fecal transplant good or bad? Only thing that we know for certain is if you have a complex microbiome, a diverse microbiome, mm-hmm. and you feed it what it needs, then you're going to produce the appropriate amount of postbiotics, which will keep you healthy. Yeah, well, that makes that certainly makes the most sense. And uh, to your point where you kept resetting for people who may not have known someone who has high blood pressure, dementia, diabetes, Parkinson's, uh, anxiety, insomnia. If you exist where you don't know anyone else like that, thank you for making this podcast the only thing that you do to connect with other humans. (laughs) Because that's impossible. They're living in this utopia somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's just impossible not to know someone who's at least affected by something like that. And so, I mean... And it's kind of crazy to think that it all comes down or it could possibly all come down to the bacteria that we have naturally inside just simply need to be fed the right things at the right times and in the right amounts. You can make the case of, oh, I don't want to look obese, this, that, and the other, so don't eat fast food. Well, the truth is you look, you, you have those kind of manifestations where people aren't happy and stuff like that because that's not the food that you should be eating all of the time. You've got to take care of yourself. Polyphenols is an easy way to get started. One hundred percent. So the um, uh, now I'm going to have to do a whole episode on butyrate because I went down. I well, st- we should though. I started to go down butyrate, and then I found all these great articles. There's articles looking at different polyphenol supplements and the butyrate elevation that they are. Watch the plant-based episode with Dr. Juan. Yeah. Because um, he gave me his Neo Greens as a sample and we showed it there. I looked at it. If he thought about this, then he's, I mean, he's a super wicked smart guy. In there, it's, he's got probiotics, fermented, fermented vegetables, probiotics with polyphenols in there. Which means that possibly, uh, spoiler alert again, it's too much, but there's, there's, um, there's people out there that are combining polyphenols and probiotics to produce these short-chain fatty acids right. in ratios that they want. And maybe not fully understanding why. Not understanding why, not yeah. understanding if it gets absorbed, not understanding if it's a natural way to do it. I don't know. But it's at least a step in the right direction. I'll even reverse that. The answer, oftentimes, when people only add, let's just say they're only adding butyrate, that's probably not the answer either. You still need the healthy ratios of butyrate along with acetate and propionate and and, uh, lactate. It would be odd to only produce butyrate because that will probably yield something else. Nature has a great way of having governors on certain systems, right? So I would imagine that there's probably going to be a healthy balance, a healthy ratio which is why you want the biodiversity in your gut. I'm sure 40 years ago, Dr. Eamon Quigley, the godfather of probiotics, probiotics yeah. sat there with a Petri dish and went, his hair stood up and he went, oh my gosh, this, this live bacteria is doing amazing things in the gut. And then 40 years later, we're still trying to figure out how to get probiotics to people because in a Petri dish, it does amazing things in the human body, giving one strain and now we're up to... Who knows? Whatever, who knows? 50 strains of 50 billion units. Is it really doing anything? We don't know. Is it even getting there? Is it getting there? We don't know. And this could be the exact same thing. So the knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, I'll just take more butyrate. And then I started looking at different, there's a ton of different butyrate supplements, much like sulfurophane, where a lot of people are trying to you know, jump on the marketing bandwagon of, of um Broccoli sprouts, yeah, and so there's very few of those that are actually viable. Yeah, now now we're at the, which broccoli is one. That's the one I like to recommend, Elite. Um, but I am so excited because I feel like because of this podcast, because of Atrantil, because of what we're learning and the scientists that I'm meeting, it's all starting to come together. And truly, I feel like we are changing the health landscape of anybody 
who purchases Atron Teal. And oh, whole separate episode. We kept talking about neuroinflammation, acetate touching, this and that. Don't even get me started on how the fatty acids in a full-spectrum hemp CBD product sure. cross the blood-brain barrier and start mitigating some of that. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I had Elon Musk money and I could just sit there and look at different things and be like, I want to know what, what this CBD product does on acetate levels in the brain. Yeah. And just start asking questions like that. Each one of these studies was somebody who had a question. And it just happened to be that they were looking at short-chain fatty acids, the effect, and the effect it had systemically, and props to these people to start doing that, because that's hard work. So in short, what should someone do who hears, okay, I need to have great biodiversity, I want to change the way that I'm approaching stuff, I want to be able to feed my new biodiverse microbiome correctly, Dr. Brown, where would I start? Well, just... I'll tell you, and, and I don't ever tell people to do things that I don't do. Sure. So, um, and I, I don't ever tell people to stop things that I still do. <laughs> I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> so be careful what you ask me. <laughs> um, number one, we need to increase the diversity of the microbiome. The okay. best way to do that is to increase your fiber. So the fiber, that means soluble and insoluble fiber, two different kinds of fiber. One soluble mixes in water, that's like Metamucil, insoluble is like the skin of vegetables. Mm -hmm. What we are now realizing is that skin of vegetables has this other beautiful molecule called polyphenols, it's what makes vegetables colorful. So I try to take in a certain amount of fiber, I try and I've now, because I read this, I went, Carla and I went to Whole Foods and uh, I got uh, some steel cut organic oats nice and now i'm just soaking them in the fridge so now i have cold oats and the reason why is oats are a resistant starch if you cook them and make oatmeal the way we do it mm -hmm. you make it more easy to digest by making a resistant starch i'm going to increase the type of bacteria that produce more butyrate wow yeah so now since i've done the research on this i wake up and i just take a couple spoons of these uh oats that are just soaking overnight and now when I tell people that watch Dr. Oz and stuff, they're like, yeah, overnight oats. Where were you in 88 when Oz was talking about it or whenever he started, 98 or whatever. I'm like, really? <laughs> people were talking about that, but they didn't know why they were talking about it. No. That's the kicker. So one of the problems that I have is that if you tell me to do something, I need a mechanism of action. Sure. If I can explain the mechanism, then it works for me. Yeah, I'd say that. I would say that I'm, I'm open to ideas also, but I don't want to change just because you say it's great. Exactly. Just tell me why. Yeah, tell me why. So increase your fiber, increase your resistant starches. Mm -hmm. You can do the resistant starches a lot of different ways. Green bananas or plantains. Uh, Lloyd is Puerto Rican, so we do a lot of plantains. Nice. And so that's a that's a paleo-friendly starch. Uh, shout out to Bubba's. Bubba's sells um, uh, green bananas. That's what makes the Oh, do they really? Yeah. They oh, were wow. designed by a guy who had Crohn's disease. That's right. You talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, so uh, Bubba's Fine Foods. Yeah, you can check them out. So if you're in, looking for a safe snack, there you go. And then now I've got all these articles where it's, and people are actually starting to look at that. The American Heart Association, at the beginning of the show, I talked about how they're using polyphenols to help with peripheral, peripheral vascular disease. Mm -hmm. I know that one of the best ways to create postbiotics, and I wasn't even thinking short-chain fatty acids. Mm -hmm. I was thinking more along urolithin and these complex molecules that these other scientists talk about. There was an article that actually showed molecules similar to Atrantil had an increase in butyrate. Whole separate show because that's going to be a that'll have to be a two hour show about how to increase your butyrate levels. Definitely. Um, but the beauty is, it isn't like you're just increasing your butyrate levels. You're going to you're going to increase the diversity of the microbiome and allow it to happen. And then ultimately, um, polyphenols, fibers, resistant starches, and I'm going to now go down the pathway of why so many of my patients feel better on CBD. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to do with these short chain fatty acids. I just did. I have not gone there yet, but we've got our secret weapon and she'll find something out there. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to start to work on making your gut a little bit more diverse and healthy, go ahead and get your soluble insoluble fibers supplement with good trustworthy polyphenols there's nothing wrong with controlling uh, inflammation systemically with a good cbd 
eat a good, diverse, whole foods diet. That's really yeah. what we're coming down to. And uh, I'm about to try your idea for overnight soaking oats. I've never done that before. I just good. started doing it. And if you don't have, um, like if you're lacking diabetes, you don't have enough high blood pressure, you're not obese enough, then ignore this whole podcast. Yeah, do whatever you want. It sounds yeah. awesome. It yeah. sounds great. <laughs> what? Lots of knowledge today on the show. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Be certain to like and share. And if you want to go back and check out the episodes with Heli, with uh, uh, Panese, or uh, Dr. Doug Wan, just go back to gutcheckproject.com. You can find all of our episodes cataloged on there on the page. This We're improving it all of the time. Be sure and sign up for the newsletter. Starting tomorrow, everybody who is in the KBMD Health uh, uh, universe will be reminded of the latest published show so if you ever get to catch up with the shows just sign up you'll be notified each week every new episode as we release it go to kbmdhealth.com correct um and one of the things that i get uh, that i see the most common is rectal bleeding and we went through the trouble of putting together a little rectal bleeding free book that so download that you get a free book and then we can uh keep you updated to these shows one of the things, if you can like and share this, the more this grows, the more that we get access to scientists, the more that I can take deep dives into stuff like this. If you're still listening, thank you. This is like that person that actually reads the whole, I saw some, saw some Reddit deal where some woman got $10,000 because there was like a 10 page, like one of those weird contracts for like a, nothing that you're supposed to sign, like <laughs> like an iTunes agreement or something. Yeah. And there was a little tiny fine print in the bottom. If you're the type of person that's reading this fine print and you send us an email and you're the first person to do it, we'll send you $10,000. They wow. sent her $10,000. So if you're actually still listening after all that nerdy stuff that I just talked about, um, we can't send any money. Be the first one in the subject line to write the word butyrate, spelled correctly, and you will get a free Autron Teal bottle and CBD of your <gasps> choice. Butyrate. So the first person to send in an email to Cape... No, they have to download the book. Yeah, download the... Oh, download the book. Yeah, they have to download the book. Download the book. And then reply with a uh, type butyrate. Yeah, type butyrate. Just spell it correctly. Look it up and uh, send it to us. It'd be awesome. You'll be the first one. You get a free... Dr. Brown signature package. Let us know if you want cinnamon or natural. Does that mean I sign the box of Atron Teal? Is that the signature package? There's so much extra stuff you want to do that's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much. Like and share, like and share. Remember, uh, this uh, show's not intended to treat or diagnose. If you have a health issue, be sure you go and check it out with your physician. We will see you at episode 34 coming soon. Thank you.